SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, eight to ten p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songes omapete on SAFM. Thirteen minutes after twenty hours on Wednesday, the 9th of December, twenty twenty. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the viewpoint. Let's get right down to it with Miss Darlene Menzies, CEO of FinFind. I think it's the second or third time we have you, Darlene. Welcome back. Much appreciated for your time. Yes, I'm a pleasure to be on. And what a what a poignant, wonderful tribute um, uh, you've just made. It was wonderful. Thank you very, very much. I understand mm. from Lesejo that you're also dancing in the background. It's a pity we can't <laughs> see you because you're not in studio. Yeah. Let's talk about the reality of the SMME sector, how they have coped in the sort of, what, 10 months or so of COVID-19? Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's unfortunately a bit of a bleak and quite devastating story about SMEs, um, you know, from from the start of lockdown level five. And uh, we conducted a survey with uh, a number of partners, um, big um, uh, Department of Small Business Development and some big business partners like Business Leadership South Africa, the JSE uh, and the Banking Association, among mm-hmm. others, just to have a look at what is the actual measurable impact on the SME sector, um, you know, really not only to, to be able to, to report on that, but to understand what areas we need to address to make sure that this vital sector really can recover. And so you know, there's some quite startling um, findings um, that, that we can share. What can you share with us then that is most revealing or most chilling at the same time or what South Africans really should know because the game certainly has changed? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, the figures in terms of how many businesses closed, and I'm not talking about closed for a period, I'm talking about shut their doors permanently, was 43, uh, 42.7% of SMEs. So um, nearly 43 in every 100 uh, SMEs actually closed their doors in the first five months of the pandemic. And both um, um, those businesses that closed and, and those that remained open contributed to a 60% reduction in full-time employment and a 76% reduction in part-time employment. And there's a 53% reduction in, in SMEs that are taking on casual laborers. So when you saw the recent figures come out about a, a 2 million reduction in employment, the majority of that, when you when you look at the figures, is coming from the SME sector. And, you know, um, I always say to big business, you know, the small businesses are employing your consumers of your products. So if you don't actually support small business, you actually are um, decreasing your consumer base in terms of those that you're trying to get to, to, to buy your products. So it really is a massive ecosystem that has um, ripple effects and been dramatically affected. That lesson is important, and I want you to spend a bit of time, please, just to help us understand better when you talk about how big business is very much dependent, although they can cushion much of the landing that has been very turbulent and rough in the realm of COVID-19, but their aspirations are infinite infinitely and intimately tied with the aspirations of small business. Now that you say the many consumers who are in small business or who are reliant on small business, which in turn creates uh, the existence, if you like, of big business, with that critical segment of the economy gone, what are the implications, therefore, for big business? Well, I think this is where it's really the big business needs to take stock. I mean, we've been saying for a long time, I mean, there are some big businesses that do really authentic enterprise development and supply development and, and uh, you know, they to be congratulated. But on the whole, we largely see a lot of tick box type exercises or people not really getting down to the nitty gritty of, 
of the impact that they're making um, into small businesses. And, you know, big businesses are in a situation because of their supply chain to really have a look at what are the types of real support that SMEs are needing, whether it be um, you know, cash flow assistance in the form of paying invoices on time or whether it be in advisory services. And not everything has to come in the form of funding, but it can be in terms of, of service swaps, et cetera. But, you know, if that's not going to be done in a more meaningful way um, in 2021, then as I say, we're going to see a, you know, we're going to see a real reduction in the, in the sort of liquidity and, and the amount of money that, that, that consumers have got to spend because they're the ones losing the job in small businesses. I mean, our survey shows that, um, on average, uh, every small business lost three jobs. Um, you know, and obviously that's across the spectrum because there were some that were self-employed right through to those bigger businesses. But the sample includes yeah. across all sectors, across all provinces, and across all sizes of businesses. And, I mean, those are you and my family, our neighbors, people in our community who now don't have um, salaries and don't have the ability to, you know, to, to, to do the things that are necessary to continue to, to pay their, their bonds or their rent, uh, you know, and, and the realities of life. So... Um, when you look at the at the psychological impact on business owners, I mean these things, you know, COVID is is very real, and and the impact of the pandemic in the form of lockdown um, is very tangible. The importance, and you've mentioned it, of supply chain boosting, if you like, where big businesses typically, I mean, I want to mention those in retail in particular that own their warehousing, they own the storage, they own the trucks, they own the distribution centers, they own the retail spaces themselves. Might this then be a time for them either to buy up those businesses that are closing shop, but the effect of that would be a concentration or even a greater monopoly? Or is it a question of them offloading, if you like, parts of their businesses? In other words, sell parts of their businesses to those businesses that are otherwise forced to close shop in the name of resuscitating small business, which would be, I understand what big business would probably do, but which do you think socially is more responsive? Well, obviously, um, you know, the, the right response is to be able to um, to support and back the small businesses that can become part of their supply chain. So need to open up their supply chains a little bit more, and um, but do it in a meaningful way. I mean, if you're going to um, have uh, small businesses that are supplying you, but then you're not paying their invoices, you know, you're paying them on 120 days as opposed to 30 days or 15 days or even five days. You know, if goods have been delivered, if services have been rendered, um, when money is tied up for a small business, when you look at the survey, 62% of the, of the respondents said that they had enough cash reserves for one to, to three months only, with 30% saying they've only got enough to pay the next month's expenses. Now, when you look at, 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 uh, at big businesses, there's a, there's, a, there's a moral and an ethical responsibility outside of a legal responsibility to make sure that they are supplying the money that's needed, that, that small businesses are not having to borrow against invoices, you know, the, the, mm, the history mm. of, 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 of big companies and government not paying small businesses on time. And, of course, you know, they're not in a position to be able to, um, to, be able to do too much about that. So I think it's just really about everyone taking stock and realizing that we are our brother's keeper in every way. Cash and, I mean, king. you know, this interview has taken, you know, uh, sort of a more of a, you know, a different turn in terms of discussing it that way. But that really is the truth. You know, you're going to erode your consumer base. If, if small businesses are not able to to keep employing the people that are actually buying your 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 products, 
let's listen to some of the perspectives of those then who are most affected by this, specifically SMME owners. Call in, please, and talk to us about the flames or showers that you have as a result of COVID-2020 seen. How many people did you have to lay off? Have you been laid off at what would qualify as an SMME? What has been the response from the employer in the light of your plight? Bearing in mind, of course, the employer, him or herself, has a plight of a different kind, but nonetheless a plight. Let's take calls on Johannesburg 714-2006. Darlene Menzies is the CEO of FinFind, and she's here to discuss further with us how did the SMME sector cope during the pandemic. We've had a discussion in terms of the obligations, if you will, of big business to SMMEs. Similarly, there are obligations on financial institutions, those who lend money. For instance, I can think of their facilities, I mean, their debt facilities being relaxed somewhat give the person a longer period of time to repay whatever was they loan at a reduced mm-hmm. interest or at the very least keeping that same interest as opposed to invoking penalties because really this is an act of God. Another approach would be for those who seriously want now assistance and want to lend money from the banks. The relaxation of the requirements for collateral. Surely the banks or lenders in this wider sense have got similar obligations of keeping a brother. Absolutely. Look, I think um, we need to lay a lot more of the responsibility on government at this time as, you know, with the development finance institutions because they, their mandate should be a development mandate and really that's where the, you know, the, the stepping in should really occur. When you, when you think of a lender, you think of a bank, essentially they are loaning out money of investors of, you know, of, 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 of your and my parents and each other that have put money into the bank. I mean, you know, the, the bank's got to make money uh, uh, as well. But, Government did come forward and put that 200 billion uh, guarantee and made that available to banks so that they could almost provide a, um, you know, a, a kind of a, an opportunity to, to um, address the issue of collateral. The problem is that money came at quite a premium. And so, you know, uh, it, it's also, you know, the, the banks also, I think only 5% of that was taken up. So my, my kind of concern with the bank is the way they view the small business, the way they assess them to actually access the money. Some small businesses actually are, have good credit repayment histories. They've got good supplier histories. And at, 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 at every level, um, if you looked at the business, could actually get funding. Unfortunately, the way the bank looks at them, for instance, might be, well, what does the business owner's credit record look like? If the business owner's got a bad credit record, maybe because he's taken a salary loss and hasn't paid his expenses on time personally, then it's a, it's a reflection. They take a reflection on that in terms of the business credit worthiness. You know, so these are some of the, you think of a business by the second or third month into month end or after the lockdown, maybe they weren't paying their, that's in their PAYE on time because they were trying to pay their staff. Now, if you then can't get a, a tax clearance certificate, well, then the government DFR or bank won't give you a loan because you're not, you're not uh, compliant. These are things that, that actually have knock-on effects and can be explained but in the way that the tentative and the, and the sort of tick box system works of lending, mm. you know, then you are discounted. And I think this is where banks need to, to start to review their credit models and government need to take other views on, on how we help business through that period. And then they need to look at who owes those businesses money. It's no use trying to borrow money from one government department when there's another one that owes you money, you know, for the last 90 days. So, you know, there's some, it's, it's quite complex. It's not, a, it's not an easy problem to solve. Yeah, fair point. Timely payment of invoices is probably half of the challenges that the SME sector faces. But I'm not in that sector. Somebody who is is on the line, KGM in the Republic. Good evening, KGM. Good evening, Songezo, and good evening to your guests and the listeners. Look, let, let's talk solutions. 
Go for it. Because then challenges quite well. Solution is this. Until such time that SMMEs um, are able to see the need and the importance of colluding in, in, in inverted commas, colluding the same way that <laughs> big business does with government, we will keep on having this cheap talk. I, with the utmost respect, uh, respect the, 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 the purpose of the, uh, and the objective of the discussion. But I think talk is cheap. Mm. What are we doing? Until such time that we see the need to establish our own bank as a small business, until such time that we see the importance of harnessing the collective resource base that we have, be it in manpower or skill or uh, services or whatever the case might be, we, we will just be fighting a losing battle because big business and government have managed to come around the table and made sure that a continuation of a bad thing exists beyond measure. So for me, Songezo and your guest, if we can talk solutions, we, 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 we can maybe get to a point where we say, here are the solutions, and the solutions, one of them, the, the most important is, let's get together and implement the solutions. Because we know them. We know what to do. We have the buying power. In we fact, the here's what I propose. Sorry to interrupt Keep you. Keep on going back. KGM, we are losing you. KGM, just stay on the line, please. We are losing you. I would wonder if whether or not there is a response that you might have there, Darlene, so that KGM might have just a short to and fro between the two of you because I think this is typically now where the conversation should be going. Somebody who's obviously operating in the FinFine space in terms of fin lending and financing and all the research in the market and KGM who qualifies as an SMME, soon to be big business. Let's have a conversation among the two of you. You want to respond for now, Darlene? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that that when you when you reach uh, watershed times like this, you know, um, uh, there there are uh, sort of more radical thinking. And and when I say radical thinking, it, it it comes to a place where you start to really step away and have a look at what can be done. Now, when you when you look in South Africa, we have a very concentrated banking sector. That's why there's such a, a high need for collateral. And you know, you go into some of the other countries further north where they aren't, uh, the, the banking sector isn't as strong, and lending happens in a very different way. And, they, you know, uh, they, they, the SMEs have a, have a lot more uh, sort of uh, a muscle than they do in this country. So I think what happens when you have massive challenges, that's when innovation comes. So, you know, something what KGN is talking about is really, you know, he's having a, innovation is really seeing what everyone sees and thinking differently. And he's saying, look, enough is enough. Let's step away and see how can we resolve this problem. Now, whether the solution he's putting on the table is the right one is not really the issue. The, the thing is, let's start talking differently. Let's start looking at the problem differently because COVID has shown us that no matter how dire the situation has become, government and big business haven't in a meaningful way, even if they've wanted to. Maybe it's because they work in silos, whatever it might be. And I work with government and big businesses and, and they're partners of ours in some projects. But you can actually see that they're almost, um, you know, they're hamstrung to be able to really get to the nitty-gritty of the problem. And, um, you know, the other other ways of thinking of how to do things start to unlock what the what the solutions are. And these kinds of these kinds of um, discourses are very helpful, I think. KGM, look, my view is is where where I differ with, with you respectfully. So is that government and big business are not hamstrung. They they are deliberately sustaining this because it works for them. It gives them big profits at our expense. 
Now, for instance, I, I run a financial services uh, business. It's, 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 a, it's a licensed FSP, just like the bank and any, any yeah. other. What, what's stopping, which is what I'm currently doing, what's stopping all of us, instead of working in silos, as you said, instead of us working separately and differently from each other, rally behind one FSP, apply yeah, for a banking license, and, and, and stop this thing of selfish notions that we see from big business. And the second point is this. Um, who, who's big business? Who's government? There's a very thin line between that. Look at the directorship, uh, whether it's non-executive or it's, 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 it's a CIPC directorship. It's the same people. So when we talk about big business and, and government, we need to understand that we're talking about the same people. And, and, and us as SMMEs, when we have little brains that comes with innovations, solutions, the most important thing is to rally behind those minds. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm advertising what I'm doing. <laughs> when that time comes and the platform is given, I'll give an example. Go ahead. The insurance business industry, for instance, just, just not dissecting a lot. We, we, we are collecting, FSPs are collecting premiums on behalf of the insurance companies. The insurance companies uh, take this money, obviously, as big business together with the banks, and, and that's where it goes. Okay, now, Jim, round up. If you look at how much we're collecting um, annually, it's billions of rand. But why are we, aren't we seeing that we have that capability of giving that one billion rand that is needed for the license and even more? I think that is where the solution for me is. Fantastic. KGM, I'm going to have to let you go. You may respond, Thanks. please, Darlene. Much appreciated for the engagement there, KGM. Yeah, look, as I say, I, I really enjoy these. I mean, I'm an innovator myself. I've liquidated three times. I started a business called SMEZ and FinFound, and both of them are exactly, you know, um, uh, really uh, coming against some of the, the bigger corporates who are who are trying to make last versions of their products to bring into the SME market, but they don't actually meet the the actual need. So, you know, I think um, the frustration and, and, and at the same time as the passion that KGM has, you know, I think these conversations are very healthy. If you look at this $200 billion, um, that was put behind the banks, what about taking an FSP uh, 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 like his business and saying, well, why don't we take a small portion of that and give you that as a collateral opportunity so you can lower the, the um, mm, mm, you know, the, the barrier to entry for loans and see if we can't start to, to get more deal flow for small business. So, you know, I, I, I think these are the times when you're going to pivot and you're going to start to see uh, people that start to come up with some really good ideas. But working together, as he says, collaboration is key. Yeah, it is very much key. Talking about barriers to entry, I mean, the role of licensing and the turnaround times, registration and operation the time it takes to get to that point, land and buildings. So not so much necessarily being a finance issue, the barrier to entry, but facility to be able to trade, being able to operate, being given access to much of government infrastructure. For instance, there are so many buildings under the Public Works Department that are just absolutely uninhabited, and if anything, they invite other problems at a socioeconomic level. Surely these low-hanging fruits can be exposed and used to make compensation for what isn't in the way of capital. Absolutely. I mean, the whole um, issue of bad buildings in the inner city itself, for instance, is, is, is its own problem. But, you know, I think the whole commercial real estate um, landscape is going to be changing a lot. When you have a look at what's happened just with COVID, with, you know, changing of, of, of people working from home. I mean, even me just recently traveling, I've been thinking, 
must be school holidays, and it wasn't a couple of, uh, you know, a few months ago, and it's just because there's not as many people on the road because more people are working from home. So mm-hmm. I think new solutions, you know, um, uh, challenges breed opportunity, and opportunity brings innovation and different thinking. So, I mean, you know, your, your lateral thinking here around, around um, you know, land use and how, how, how we need to change that, it's just about really tabling ideas to the right people. And, um, yeah, I just like Kadian said, we need more lobbying of gov- government from more uh, more collaborative type of approach. And uh, but we do need something that's going to that's going to turn the dial quickly. Um, it's not all bad news in the report. I mean, there are small businesses. Seventy six percent of them that um, that are still as of those that are open, seventy six percent said they see a, you know they see positivity for twenty twenty one. Thirty percent said they're going to be employing again. So, but there are realities that this. This big shock to the system that we've mm. all had is mm. starting to really, un, you know, unravel some some radical thoughts. Final comment then in relation to government. What are your thoughts in terms of the response or otherwise from the respective departments of small business development and trade and industry and competition? Are they making the right noise and sounds and coming up with innovations around policy and law for the purposes of a better 2021 outcomes for the SMME sector? We are seeing some quite, you know, some sort of um, sandbox opportunities on, on, on policy for fintechs and um, uh, the national credit regulator working with the World Bank around how to change some of the, the way that small businesses are assessed by governments and by banks and how policy can change. So there have been some um, um, some really good things that have happened. And also I think, um, you know, uh, government to a large extent uh, have the reach on the, on, on the ground, uh, the cedar branches, those sorts of things. I think more collaboration with business needs to happen to get the right sorts of advisory and products into places like like CEDA who have the reach on the ground. But, you know, I, I understand politically and I understand where KGN is coming from where, you know, he's saying, you know, everyone's one and the same, but I don't got to be careful to paint everything with the same brush. There are good civil servants trying to do good things, but there also needs to be the budgets made available for those things. So, yeah, it's, as, as I said, it's not, a, it's, it's not an easy problem to fix, but the one thing I want to say to every South African out there listening support small business in every way, whether it comes to buying your Christmas presents, where you're going to buy your, your fresh produce from, whatever it might be. We, we can't anymore. It can't be a symbol or a slogan. We really have to get behind each other in home-based industries in every way because it's the only way that everyone's going to move forward together and raise the water level for everyone. Support small business, raise the water level for everybody. Is there a more appropriate point to end this conversation, Darlene? Love chatting with you. It's really always good. Thank you so much. Much appreciated indeed. CEO of FinFind, Ms. Darlene Menzies. How did the SMME sector cope during the lockdown? More importantly, as KGM implored us to do, let's find ways. Talk is cheap, he says. Let's get down to the action. We hope we've given you a template at least on how to start. 2036, after the break, we continue. Criminal and fraudulent activity increases, of course, over the festive season because we are now into proverbially silly season. Head of sales and service at Time Bank, Ms. Cheslin, Mr. Cheslin Jacobs, I beg your pardon, will be on the line.